Welcome to Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Uh, Yes, even for you. You might just have to redefine what it looks like for yourself. I'm your host, fellow working mom and founder of Your Life Rocks, Jenny Stemmerman. Each week, I'll bring you practical, real-life tips to help you focus on the things that matter most in life and be the best version of yourself in every area that God has called you to. Ready to redefine what balance looks like for you and your life? Let's go. Hey there, welcome to the show. I am so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you're hanging out with me today because today we are diving into a very important topic. I don't know about you, but ever since, I don't know, maybe midsummer, I feel like, I don't want to say it's the new normal because I really don't want it to be the new normal, but I feel like the newness of everything that's going on and kind of that survival mode of the newness of, of the pandemic and kids being out of school and social distancing, all of that has kind of worn off. And it's kind of to the point now where I'm really starting to see the bigger implications that everything is having, especially on my kiddos and their health, their mental health, their physical health, their overall well-being. And I really wanted to have a guest come on the show to talk about this a little bit because it is something that I think we need to address. And especially as moms, we need to be able to equip ourselves with the right information to help our kids truly, truly thrive. So I'm so excited that today we have Dr. Melissa Choi joining us for this conversation. She has four pillars of health and what we can do to help support our kids during the given time that we are in. And what I love so much is this, the pillars that she is going to be talking about are similar to the pillars that Jenna Allerson talked to us about a few episodes ago when it was in relation to our own health. Now, if you've never heard me talk about self-care before, for me, self-care, the way that we take care of ourselves should be kind of like how we take care of other people. And so this is one of those perfect examples, perfect illustrations on just that. So if you kind of missed the message when Jenna was talking about taking care of your own health, hopefully it will ring true today as we're talking about taking care of our kids' health and how we can really lead by example in all of the four pillars that Dr. Melissa has for us. Now, if you are newer to the show, I do want to let you know, you can download our free app in the App Store. It's called Your Life Rocks, and we link to it right below in the description for the show. And the reason why I would highly encourage that you download the app is inside the app are a ton of other free resources, including our Fall Lifestyle Guide. And in our health section of the Fall Lifestyle Guide, We have Lindsay Young, and she is sharing some of her sleep secrets. And we're going to be talking about sleep for your kids today. And I kind of touch on it a little bit with what Lindsay shared with us over on our YouTube channel and then also in our lifestyle guide, Uh, because as much as it relates to us and having good sleep, sleep is good for our kiddos, too. So that is an additional resource that you have in there, as well as some additional resources for parenting and, of course, all of the other areas of life that we talk about here at Your Life Rocks as well. And that is completely free inside the Your Life Rocks app. You'll also find in there our weekly success planning course and soon our free holiday sanity course that's coming up in November. So you definitely want to download the app so you don't miss out. Now, like I said before, today for this episode, I am joined by Dr. Melissa Choi. She's a board-certified family and obesity medicine physician. She grew up in Minnesota, spent her college and medical school years in Rhode Island, and then returned home to Minnesota with her husband 11 years ago. Now, not only is she a busy practicing physician, but she also has three daughters under the age of 10, so she definitely knows what it's like to be a working mom. 
Now, when she's not caring for patients, she enjoys trying new recipes in her kitchen, going on bike rides with her family, and having meaningful conversations with friends and neighbors over coffee. Just like I told Melissa when I got on with her, I said, Dr. Melissa, I feel like you and I could be friends. <laughs> and definitely after our conversation together, I agree. And now you get to be friends with her as well. So I know that this conversation is so chock full of information. I do want to just put out there as a little disclaimer, although Dr. Melissa is a practicing board certified physician, she's not our kid's doctor. So of course, any medical advice, please see your kid's doctor, your pediatrician or family practice medicine doctor over any advice that you hear on any podcast, video, internet, period. So without further ado, because I know you're going to love this interview, let's get into my conversation with Dr. Melissa. Dr. Melissa, it is such a blessing to have you on this show and such needed wisdom that I think you're going to share with everyone. But before we get to all of that, share with our listeners a little bit more about who you are. Well, thank you, Jenny, for having me on the show today. So as Jenny said, I am Dr. Melissa. I am a wife, a mother to three girls, and I have gone through a lot of training to become a physician. I initially trained to be a family physician because I felt like caring for the entire family is what can benefit patients the most because I don't feel that diagnoses are individualized. And as I went through my training, I also realized that a lot of chronic issues, especially in adults, come about due to patients that are overweight or maybe obese. And so I decided to go through more training and become an obesity medicine physician as well too. So now I really enjoy working with patients and um, clients that are trying to stay at a healthy weight and not just with adults, but really looking at things from a family perspective. And I also enjoy cooking. I consider myself a foodie. So I really like to experiment in the kitchen, trying new recipes and trying to find food that's both healthy and tasteful. I love it. And I love that everything about you is so cohesive from <laughs> what you do for a living to your personal practices to even the way that you cook. And I'm amazed that you even find time to cook because you have three girls under the age of 10, plus this amazing, huge career that you're really passionate about. And, you know, we talk a lot about balance here on Redefining Balance podcast. How do you define balance for you amongst all of the craziness that you're dealing with? Yeah, you know, I think that when we think about balance, or at least when I think about balance, it's not always going to look the same each day, Jenny. And I will often start my day really with prayer, asking God, you know, God, what is your will for me each day? And I really think that that's important in terms of trying to figure out what is my priority for the day. And sometimes we just have to go day by day because, you know, things are changing so quickly all the time. And that's really where I have my true guidance in terms of what's important. And those days will look different. You know, some days I am seeing patients all day. And so my priority on those days are going to be with my patients those days. And my family understands that. And then there are other days where I'm not at work and work understands that I won't be checking messages or answering phone calls unless it's an emergency. And those are days that I really focus 
on family or spending time with friends and other people in the community. And so, you know, when people ask me those questions, I often will reflect and, you know, ask them to reflect on what God is calling them to do. Because I do think that for balance, it's going to look different for each person. And so that we can't just reflect on one person's view to make it our own view. And I think the other thing that's important for me is really taking a look at the Sabbath and trying to take rest. So one day a week on Sundays is really my day of time to worship, to rest, really to be replenished by the Word of God and to reflect on things that have happened and things to look forward to in the week. So I think that time of rest and also reflecting daily on what God's will for me helps guide that balance in my life. Amen. It's so important. You know, I always think about how much of a blessing it is to have God in my life and to know Him and to be able to go to Him. And I always think, what do people do who don't have that? That don't yet have that relationship or know that it's available. Like I can't even imagine the stress and chaos that life must feel like, especially right now with so much turmoil going on in the world. Mm-hmm. I I absolutely hear you. And I think just having that guidance and having people in my life that also understand that is helpful because I think it's easy for me to just go astray if it's just me trying to figure out what's going on. So certainly having that community, having family you know, around you, having friends to kind of support you and guide you, I think is important too. Absolutely. You are speaking my language. I love it. <laughs> for sure. And the other thing I love about the way that balance is kind of working for you is that you have kind of set these expectations or, or these, I don't want to call them necessarily boundaries, but maybe they are, with you know your family when you're working that that's your focus but then also when you're with your family that you kind of have that boundary with work of nope I'm with my family right now and work is in a different silo that's not happening that's true and i again i think it might look different for people and for other people it might be a little bit more blended i think just for me and the nature of my career and just kind of the goals that i have i'm fortunate that i'm able to put in those boundaries and it's worked well. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I really need to trust God because sometimes I'll think I need to do this for work. And I was like, you know what? My time is really to be spending with my family right now. And these things can wait. And if it is God's will, these things will happen. And so just being able to trust God during those times too um, has helped me kind of guide how my day looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting because when I find that we are more obedient to what God's will is for our day or for our lives versus what we think that we should be doing or need to be doing, there's so much more grace and just beauty and and fruit that comes from doing that. And so I love that you're honoring God with your time in that way and being able to serve using your God-given talents in such an incredible way to heal people. And I love too that your journey of not just practicing medicine, but really looking at the entire family unit, because that's really what we're going to be talking about today. I know, you know, when we think about the pandemic and just everything that has come with the year that we're in, you know, it's been a a rough go, I think, for our kids. And sometimes we, we can kind of skip over that a little bit. And so I'm so excited that you're here today that we can really dive in to these four pillars of how we can best support our kids. Now, I do want to mention before we get into all of the great wisdom that you have that for our listeners, knowing that Dr. Melissa is a doctor, she's practicing medicine, but she's not your kid's doctor. So before you go and implement everything that she's saying, you might want to check in 
with your pediatrician, with your family medicine doctor, just to make sure that you're on the same page. And, and that's right. Right, Melissa? Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Always smart. But of course, everything that Dr. Melissa is going to share with us today is absolutely brilliant. And the main reason I wanted to do this show with you, Melissa, is that I feel like when everything happened back in the spring, when the pandemic first happened and schools closed and the kids came home and you know, we were really kind of just in survival mode mm-hmm. um, and, and just kind of doing the best that we can. And I think that, you know, we were all in a little bit of shock and kind of running, you know, <laughs> not knowing what's going yes. on and like, what, what, just do the best we can today. And sometimes it was the best and sometimes it wasn't, but we made it through. Yes. But now here we are in the fall and some kids have gone back to school. A lot of kids are still doing distance learning or doing something yes. different. And I've just noticed with my own kids and hearing from other moms in our communities that it's not just about them missing school. We're noticing that the lack of routine is really starting to have some effects on their health, their mental health, their physical health, their spiritual health, all of these things. I mean, we, I always say like when we are given children, like it is hard enough as it is to know what the right thing is to do as a parent. But then you put in all of the upheaval that's going on in the world. And it's like, well, how am I supposed to lead my kids through all of this when I don't necessarily even know what's going on? So I'm excited to have you on because I I do believe that we are called to do the best that we can. And especially as we're raising our kids to make sure that we're providing the best that we can for them. And if we don't always know what to do, then it's hard to do. So you're here to tell us kind of how we as moms can best support them holistically for their health. Yes. And I think I agree with you, Jenny. It was the same thing for me when everything started this spring. And it was almost like survival mode, like you said, Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out things day by day. But now that, you know, we've kind of gone through this for a few months and certainly things are not back to what things were pre-COVID. But after I've had a few months to kind of reflect, you know, I've thought, what are some things that we can at least try to get back to in terms of basics, you know, basic needs for our children? And that's what I'm really hoping to share today, kind of just what I consider four pillars of health for children. And those things, you know, really circle around sleep for children, diet for them, exercise. And then finally, I do kind of want to close because I do think it's very important the mental and spiritual aspects um, for our kids. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive right into sleep first, because this is one that, you know, I think that as parents, we're focused on sleep when we have infants or small children, but as our kids start to grow up, maybe it becomes a little bit less of a focus or less of a struggle when when we're dealing with our kids. And so talk to us a little bit about the importance of sleep first. I think we all kind of know sleep is good, yes. but, but why is it so important? You know, because there's so many things that are actually going on when we're sleeping that we don't even realize there are certain hormones in our body that are kind of coming and going in various levels. And I don't need to, you know, necessarily go through all the details from the science standpoint, but, you know, one aspect, for example, is if we're not getting good quality sleep or we're not getting enough sleep, there is a hormone called cortisol, which is like a stress hormone. And that level just continues to go up when kids aren't getting enough sleep. And, you know, kind of with a constant stress that's going on in a child's body, that can lead to other potential physical problems, 
including, you know, things like headaches, high blood pressure, even in children. And, you know, as you know, you and I as adults, when we don't get enough sleep, there can be more irritability. And we may see that in our children. Our kids may have difficulty concentrating when they're trying to do schoolwork. And it can even lead to obesity and um, kids being overweight when they're not getting enough sleep. So those are some of the kind of physical aspects with a lack of sleep that can happen. But another thing that's really important is that with having enough sleep, that can give our kids a healthier immune system. And, you know, especially now when we're in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic, that's important because we want our kids to have, you know, kind of the best immune system and the best setting them up to be able to fight off anything they may potentially come in contact with. And oftentimes people will wonder, how does sleep give us a healthier immune system? And, you know, when we think about it, you know, when our kids are sick, what do they want to do? Or what does our body want to do? It just wants to sleep more because it's trying to help fight off infections or viruses. But by getting enough sleep, it really can help build up that immune system. So it's almost ready for defense when it comes into contact with any potential virus that it may face. Now, let me ask you this question, because I know that you also recommend a certain amount of sleep for kids of of certain ages. What would you say for people or kids that are like grade school on up? I think, you know, from kindergarten on up, look, it's different. You know, the younger kids in kindergarten through about fifth grade or so, the American Academy of Pediatrics does recommend about nine to 12 hours of sleep. And I know for my own children, we really try to aim for at least 10 hours, if not more, just because we know kids are well-rested. And I think also not just the amount of sleep, but kind of when children are going to sleep. Like for example, if a kid is going to bed at 11 o'clock and not waking up until 11, that is not as healthy as say a child going to bed at 8 p.m. and waking up at 8 again, because some of those hormones that are in play, you know, the good hormones that are keeping kids healthy don't get a chance to do its work when you're going to bed really late, even if you're sleeping the same number of hours. And I think for teenagers, they need probably a little bit less sleep than some of the elementary school age children, probably closer to eight to 10 hours. But again, having to be mindful and reminding your teenagers to not go to bed late, because a lot of times kids will say, well, I'll go to bed at one and I won't wake up until 10. But again, that's not getting them those healthy hormones if they did go to bed a little bit earlier. So this brings up a great point that something that I've experienced for myself, my boys are 11 and 15, and I've seen it a lot in my community, talking to friends, Mm. uh, other family members that have teenagers. They, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's the stress of the pandemic or the lack of, you know, you got to get up early to go to school in the next morning, like whatever it is, it's different. But my kids are really struggling to go to sleep at a decent hour. Like even if we start their bedtime routine early, they're up. Like they're having a hard time sleeping. And I think it's like you kind of mentioned that lack of structure. You know, it's it's hard for us to be disciplined in that way if there isn't a structure, especially for kids. So I think for parents, if you understand and kind of value the sleep, like, you know, kids need some guidance. So if we can kind of help 
guide them or set up a structure, especially if kids are still doing distance learning, to try to start the day a little bit earlier. Hopefully that can try to help transition kids to go to bed a little bit earlier by building in that structure in the morning. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show, but I wanted to make sure that you knew of a free resource available to you to provide more tips and inspiration as a working mom. We've taken our Your Life Rocks message to YouTube. So not only can you find all of the podcast episodes separated by area of life, but every single Thursday we release a new video on a topic that we think will be beneficial to you. You can subscribe by clicking in the link in the show description or going to yourliferocks.com forward slash YouTube. I hope that you go and check it out. And thanks for subscribing. Now back to the show. Awesome. So the other question I had about sleep, you know, because this is something that I've noticed I've struggled with too, with everything going on is having good quality sleep. And so I've been very intentional about, you know, shutting down electronics earlier, stopping Mm -hmm. eating earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had a couple other experts on our YouTube channel kind of giving us some tips for our, our sleep. And I've been following that to a T using the essential oils. Mm-hmm. How much of that is effective for kids as well? When we're talking about essential oils, magnesium drinks, melatonin, is that kind of stuff safe for kids? You know, I think there's not a lot in terms of like evidence-based for children. So it, it's difficult for me to say whether it's, safe or not. But I do think that there are things that we can do that we we know based on research and, you know, what the American Academy of Pediatrics has said, you know, for example, no screen time two hours before bedtime because that blue light can really affect our quality of sleep. So trying to eliminate that screen time before your kids are going to bed, trying to avoid screens in the bedroom, especially when kids are in bed, because then your brain just sort of associates the bed as not just a place to sleep, but oh, this is the time when we're watching TV, or oh, this is the time when I'm reading or looking at my phone or tablet. So trying to help train your body or what we call sleep hygiene to remember that the bed is really just for sleep time. So that can help. And I think especially for children and probably even for adults is to try to get those screens out of our bedrooms. So it's not even a temptation for us. Yeah, it's interesting. We just started a new thing last night where cell phones are not allowed in the bedroom. Really? Do you do it in your own bedroom too? No, 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 no. Just for them. For the kids. (laughs) Just for the kids. Yeah, It's like my alarm and my everything. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's, I was noticing because we use, I use a a company called Bark, like for online, making sure, you know, like they're safe and stuff on the internet. And I was noticing my older son was like sending text messages at like 1130 at night. I'm like, what are you doing? So that is now out of the room. Again, removing the temptation because I, and I get it. Like if you're laying there and you're like, I cannot go to sleep and your yes. phone's right there, like it's easy to just pick that up and do something, you know? Yes. And, you know, seeing children as patients too, I, I have heard stories where kids will wake up in the middle of the night and if they can't go back to sleep since the phone is right there to just pick it up and start mm-hmm. watching YouTube or texting. And again, that's just breaking up that prolonged amount of sleep that we need. And again, it's not just the quantity, but really that quality. So if those distractions are there and readily available for kids, it's going to break up just their overall quality, which ultimately the the 
reason why we don't want that is for their health and so that they can be able to stay healthy and try to avoid the sickness that we're trying to prevent right now. I love it. And, you know, in talking about health, I know for me, when I think about health for myself or health for my kids, the number one thing that pops in my mind is what's going in the mouth? Like, what is the diet? And I know for my kids, it's it's been a little bit different <laughs> having them home all the time. They eat a ton of food, and like I, and it's hard to try to keep them on a schedule when I'm trying to work at the same time and and you know do all of the things. So, talk to us a little bit about diet for our kids. Yes, so you know I think for the most part, parents are saying yes. We know what's healthy. We want our kids to eat fruits and vegetables, but it's not always convenient for me. You know, life is busy. I'm now trying to work from home and make breakfast, lunch, and dinner for my kids every day. So, you know, I understand that things get busy. But one thing in terms of the importance of just general whole foods, you know, thinking things like produce is that when we're eating processed foods, things in a box, things with added sugar, that can really increase inflammation within our body. And the reason why we don't want that to happen is there's been some correlation that with increased inflammation in our body, that can really decrease our immune system. And so trying to take away those foods that increase inflammation, whether it's chips or crackers, um, can really help boost your child's immune system. And then the things with whole foods, like I say, fruits and vegetables, it's much more than just, say, taking a multivitamin. It gives us minerals. It gives us antioxidants. And so what I like to do in my household, for example, is you know let my kids choose three fruits for me to buy. For example, pears, apples, and oranges. And those are kind of what they have available for the week. And so for lunchtime, they can choose one fruit that they want. And we kind of do a similar thing with vegetables, you know, Sometimes we'll have carrots, snap peas, or sliced cucumbers, and they can each choose one of each. And I think kids really enjoy that because that way they still feel like they're having some control in terms of what's healthy. And you're also providing them with a healthy option. I love that idea of letting them kind of choose what those three things are. And I think it also helps take off some of the pressure for you as a working mom. You know, my kids are still younger. They're nine and seven. I have a little three-year-old too. But the nine-year-old, you know, she can almost start to make her lunch. And I feel like that gives them some responsibility and it takes something off your plate as a mom. And so it kind of is a win-win for all of us in our household. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Actually, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, because my kids are old enough that they can be making their own meals. But if I outline for them, like, these are your three choices for breakfast. These are your three choices for lunch. These are your three choices for snack time. You know, that way they can make that choice for themselves. One, they're learning to make healthy choices. Um, But then two, it just makes it so much easier for me when I'm doing grocery shopping and meal prep and like everything else makes it a lot easier. Yes. Yeah. And I like to, you know, also from a snack standpoint, because, you know, parents always ask me, well, you're an obesity medicine doctor. Do your kids ever eat anything that's not healthy? And I say, you know, no food in our family is off limits, you know, even the things that we don't think that are as healthy things like ice cream or cake. I have never said that those things are off limits. Um, They're not foods that we eat regularly. And if we do, for example, if we go out to get ice cream, 
our kids will share when serving so they're not eating large portions. But I think it's important for kids to have that too. So they're able to kind of learn to regulate and understand I can eat these foods. They're just not foods that we should be eating all the time. And even during snack time, I will say we will always eat a fruit or a vegetable every day. But do we have crackers in the house? Yes, we do. And I say, if you're going to do that, or if you're going to eat even chips, you know, things that aren't great, you can have a little bit, but you need to make sure you're eating that with a side of vegetables. So they're not eating just the chips or just the crackers for their snack. That's good. Because this is a question I wanted to ask you is I have found myself because before before all of this stuff happened, it was kind of like, you know, treats are few and far between. They're for special occasions or, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was like a different way that we looked at those treats. But I'm finding myself as the mom almost kind of like feeling sad for my kids with everything mm-hmm. that's going on. And I find that I bring home more treats to be like, yeah. oh, look, something to be excited about. I got cupcakes or I got things for us to make cookies or, yeah. you know, things that I feel like are kind of hitting on that emotional side. But then I worry, am I making an emotional connection with sweet treats for my kids where that could create some issues for them later on in life? Right. And I think that, you know, if we're doing it regularly, consistently, like every day, oh, you had a bad day, here's a treat, then we're setting up a pattern that's not healthy. But I do think that there's times for celebration, you know, birthdays or special occasions that it's okay for us to have a treat, you know, here and there. And I think you mentioned, you know, kind of baking cookies or doing something like that. I think that's completely appropriate. And I think there are ways to even kind of share with others. So for example, my daughter did bake cookies herself and she learned how to wash all the dishes and told me that it was hard work, but she took responsibility (laughs) to do all of that because she wanted cookies. And it's much better than just buying a bag of cookies. You know, she had to make it and measure it. And, and we were able to, you know, share with our neighbors afterwards. So I think that, you know, we got to look at the whole picture of things and not just isolate it as, oh, cookies are bad. Let's not do this. But like, okay, how can we incorporate this to make our life healthier, more meaningful? And again, it's kind of a balance that we need to learn to do and there's no necessarily right answer, but I don't think that it has to be all or nothing. Oh, that's so good to hear. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um, so the other question I have for you is I know that you talk about snacks before dinner. So talk to us about why we want to have like no snacks prior to dinner and what's the appropriate time frame between meals. You know, I think that for kids eating about every three to four hours is appropriate. And so if a child's eating, you know, breakfast at eight to nine, then they're probably going to eat lunch around 11 to 12. But I would say most families don't eat, you know, dinner until probably six o'clock. And so that's a long time for children to go without eating and they are going to get hungry. And so we will try to do a snack between three and four o'clock. And again, healthy options that we had talked about earlier, but also not doing it too close to dinner. You know, if we're giving kids snacks at five o'clock, 5.30, then our kids are not going to eat dinner. I mean, they're not going to be hungry. So we shouldn't be surprised if the plate is still full and they're not really hungry. So just watching the timing of eating because kids are growing 
and they're going to be hungry, but again, giving them healthy options and spacing things out appropriately. Good, good. And I going on that note of making them hungry, the next thing I want to talk about is exercise because that's been a bit of a challenge too with social distancing and sports being canceled. But the thing I think is really interesting is that you mix exercise and screen time and you put them together. Yeah. Well, so there's a couple of things, you know, when I think about recommendations, again, kind of what are our general guidelines? You, we really encourage at least 60 minutes per day for kids. And that, again, like all the other things that we've talked about before, it helps with a kid's immune system. With that regular exercise, it keeps them at a healthy weight. And exercise can even help with their quality of sleep. And like we had talked about before, with good quality sleep, that's also going to help our immune system. And I know the challenge, even for myself, And for parents, it's like, what do I have my kids do? 60 minutes just sounds like a long time, especially during these days when things are so limited. And so oftentimes, I encourage families, and we do it ourselves too, is kind of break it up. You know, if you can't do 60 minutes all at once, try to break it up. Our family will try to go for a walk in the morning and a walk in the afternoon and mix things up, do things that the kids like. My kids like to play tennis. So my husband will often bring them out to play tennis. And I do think that there are ways to try to help kids still stay connected with friends through physical activity because you can socially distance in some of the activities such as going on a bike ride. And so we have done that with my kids' friends and It's good because your kids can connect with their friends and keep those relationships. And you're also getting your physical activity in. But in terms of screen time too, we don't recommend more than two hours of screen time per day. And now I know that that's a challenge now with distance learning because we're using the computers and tablets for long periods of time. So really thinking about it more in terms of when your child is not doing schoolwork. And the reason why we kind of put these together is because when a child is spending more time on their screen, they're most likely spending less time exercising. So really watching that balance, like if my kid is getting a lot of screen time, are they doing enough exercise as well? I like that perspective because I think sometimes, especially as working moms, I know I have guilty moments where I'm like, just watch this real quick while I make this phone call or while I do whatever it is that I need to get done. Mm -hmm. And then I feel guilty because I'm like, oh my gosh, are they having too much screen time? But I like that perspective of balancing it with their physical activity. Because if if I'm taking them on walks and bike rides and we're going to go play at the park or we're going to go do, you know, go to the trampoline place or whatever it is that's super physical, then I can kind of think about that differently in my head. I don't know. For some reason, the way that you said that, Dr. Melissa, I was like, aha, I get it now. It's not about just like, I'm a bad mom because I let them have, you know, two and a half hours today instead of two hours. But if we really did a lot of exercise and a lot of physical stuff, it probably balances out. Right. And, And I think that's the thing too, is when we think about our time period, even now, you know, when listeners are listening, we're in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, there are some things that we just kind of have to do that we wouldn't have necessarily planned beforehand. And I think just understanding that if we're able to give our kids enough exercise, that screen time 
is okay because I don't want parents to feel like they can't have any screen time. And I will also say that sometimes, you know, we, we live in Minnesota, so it can be very cold in the winter where we can't even get outside. And sometimes we do have to turn on the TV and we will use YouTube to try to find some kid exercises. There's so many that you can find on YouTube and my kids love that too. So just any sort of thing that you can do to balance the amount of exercise that you have with the screen time that your child is having. That's awesome. YouTube does have some really fun kid... Even though my kids are older, (laughs) the little kid exercises, they still enjoy doing it. And it makes them laugh. And you know, it's just great fun as a family. It is. We will do them in our basement often when it's those cold days, negative 10 degree weather here. And the kids love the music. They love the exercise. And I think it's a great family activity. Now, one thing I kind of want to bridge as we're talking about screen time and exercise and moving into more mental and spiritual health, I noticed that for my kids, especially because they're a little older, that they're getting a lot of social time too through the screen. And so I I do tend to want to allow more of that just because, mm-hmm. I mean, both of my kids have told me, you know, separate times just while I'm tucking them in or having some quiet time with them, that they miss their friends or yes. that they feel lonely or, and it's hard as a mom, you know, to, to see your kids struggling in that way and know that there's not really a whole lot that you can do about it right now. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that's why that two hours screen time, I don't want parents to think that that's a hard and fast rule. I think, you know, screen time where your child is maybe FaceTiming a friend or a relative is kind of different than, say, screen time watching a movie or playing a video game, especially during these days. And so I do think it's important for kids to be able to have that social connection. And, you know, unfortunately, during these times, that's kind of one of the few ways that kids and even adults can have that connection. So if it does mean that the kids are getting a little bit more screen time, because they're connecting with their friends, I think we need to be able to understand that because I think that will build upon a a child's you know, just mental well-being and feeling connected with people that they enjoy spending time with. Now, what other things can we be doing for our kids given their mental health, their spiritual health, just to help them be more well-rounded, knowing that that is a really big impacted part of their health given everything that's happening this year? Yeah. You know, our family has really tried to kind of sit down and I think the hardest thing about this pandemic for us is almost feeling like we're supposed to be isolated in a sense because we were supposed to kind of shelter at home initially and not spend time with others. And that has been really hard for us because we're a family that is well-connected with friends and neighbors in our community. And so we have really tried to brainstorm as a family, like what are ways that we can still stay connected with our community And that can look different for different people, but we've tried to reach out to our neighbors regularly, even if it's something simple like, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. You know, is there something that I can pick up for you? Just simple things like that. But also, again, allowing our kids to, you know, do an outdoor play date so they can play, but still be socially distanced. And I think even doing things in your own community, like yesterday, my husband took the girls to the park while I was working and they just went to pick up trash for an hour. But I think for children, finding 
you know, kind of value in their time really can help with their mental health. And that's really what, you know, God calls us to do. It's calling us to love Him and to love our neighbors. And so if there are ways that we can continue to help foster that in our kids, we'll hopefully help them continue to thrive from a mental and spiritual aspect. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I mean, we're all longing for purpose, right? We're all longing for where we fit in, how we contribute, knowing that we make a difference in this world. And I think that that's such a huge piece is, you know, allowing that for our kids too, so that they are feeling like they're part of something a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. And it can start even when they're little. You know, my little three-year-old was out there wearing gloves. I had a picture of her picking up trash. And so I think when you start that, even at a young age, that can, you know, just help your kids know that there's purpose. And, you know, another thing too, that we've just tried to do as a family is just try to find ways to laugh. And I think kids need that because I think we've kind of gone through months and months of just hard stuff, being in a pandemic, trying to be really careful and not touch this and that and trying to be healthy. But, you know, when you're in your home with your kids to make time to either watch a silly movie or read a silly book, because that laughter can really just help our mental health, help, you know, release some of that stress that can be in kids that might not necessarily manifest the same way in adults, but, you know, can still have those same effects with prolonged stress, you know, ultimately suppressing a kid's immune system, which can make them more susceptible to being sick. So, you know, laughter is a good type of medicine as well. I was just going to say, that's what they say is laughter is the best medicine. Of course, in addition with exercise, diet, and sleep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I love all of these great tips that you shared with us today, Dr. Melissa. Now, where can people learn more about you, connect with you, work with you? Absolutely. You know, I'm most active currently on Instagram and you can find me at the mom plate, T H E mom plate. And I am in the process of creating a website, which is also the mom plate.com. At this time, if you go there, you'll just see a landing page to sign up to hear when we'll launch. But the purpose of the mom plate is to really help busy moms and families kind of make simple but long lasting lifestyle changes so that moms can be at a healthy weight, you can keep your family healthy and really to help manage time. So I share recipes and just tips that for moms, you know, even if they're busy, they can incorporate these little changes in their lives so that they can continue to stay healthy. I love that. I love everything that you're doing and keeping it all very holistic and looking at a lot of other parts of life that really contribute to health, both for mom, for kids, and for the entire family. So thank you so much for what you do. You're welcome. And thank you, Jenny, for having me on. I love your platform as well. I think it's really important, especially as a a Christian working mom. I don't think there's a lot of avenues or areas for us. And so thank you for all that you do too. Oh, thanks. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. 
You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com. Thank you.